These are, uh, this is a father-son duo uh, in recent history that has become famous. They, you may not know them when I say their name, but there are many uh, across the world who know this father and son. And these two individuals, they have run marathons together. They've run, they've cycled, they've swam triathlons together. They've trekked 3,770 miles across America in 45 days. This father's name is Dick and his son's name is Rick. Together, these two individuals form Team Hoyt. And we have a little picture of, of them. If you could put that picture up here. Without his dad, Rick could not compete. Without his son, Dick would not compete. When Rick was born, his proud parents realized soon after because of some complications during his birth and his airflow being cut off for a period of time that he was born with cerebral palsy. And Dick, uh, he realized at that moment that this tragedy in this birth, it stole away his son's opportunity to walk. It stole away his son's opportunity to talk. And, and the Hoyts, they took their baby to a children's hospital in Boston every single week. And their doctor encouraged them to help Rick live as normal of a life as possible. They told him that this is going to be difficult, but... You have the opportunity to help your son have a normal life if you choose to do it. And so they did choose to enroll Rick in a public school and they furnished him with a wheelchair and a computer that was able to help him be able to speak. He himself could not speak, but through his computer he could type things out or hit certain buttons and he was able to communicate with those around him. Before long, they realized how intelligent their son was. They realized that that Rick, even though he may not have looked at it, looked uh, this way from his appearance, he was very intelligent. They also learned how compassionate of a heart Rick had. When he was in high school, he had one of his uh, one of his classmates who was on the lacrosse team, he suffered this paralyzing injury and, and Rick, he empathized with him and he asked his dad if, if his dad could take him out for a five mile benefit run for his, his classmate. And so his dad being a retired Air National Guard, uh, man and, and being 36 years old at that time, he hadn't exercised in some time, but he, he told his son, yes, I'll, I'll go and I'll, I'll do this race with you. And so they went to that, went and did this race. And, and Rick, after that race, he told his father, he said, when I was running or when you were running and you're pushing me, I felt as if I wasn't handicapped. And after that first race, anytime that his son would go to school, Dick, he would go and he would get a wheelchair and he'd put a bag of cement in the wheelchair and he began to exercise and push that bag of cement and and get ready because he wanted his son to be able to experience this joy that he had when they were running and so when uh they they began to enter into these races over and over last year dick he passed away at in march 2021 and at that point in their life 
They had completed 1,130 endurance events. That includes 72 marathons. It includes 35 Boston marathons. It includes six Ironman triathlons. I wondered how do they compete in a triathlon when his son is in this, uh, or has cerebral palsy, but they had a special tandem bike where his son would sit in the front and the dad, Dick, would do all the pedaling and they would run with, with him pushing the wheelchair. They would, when they got to the swimming portion of it, he would put his son in a boat and he would swim the distance that they would swim, pulling his son in this boat. And, and here they are, this, uh, this, in this, uh, time, Becoming famous, in fact, the the statue that you see here is a statue that's erected right uh, at the beginning of the Boston Marathon. And Dick Hoyt, I believe that he sacrificed much of his life for his son to feel like he was not handicapped. It would have been unthinkably difficult if Dick had lost his son during that time. His his life was so tied to his son. And, and as difficult as that would have been, I, I want you to think of another famous father-son duo. This father-son that we read about in Scripture, Abraham and Isaac. And I want you to think about how Abraham must have felt when God spoke to him to give Isaac back to God. And that's where we're going to take our text from here this morning. I'm going to read this whole passage in Genesis chapter 22. If you want to turn there, you can. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the story, I want to just read through this, this whole passage. And then we're going to come back to it and look and see what God is, is speaking to Abraham. And how it was that Abraham responded to what God was asking of him. This is in Genesis chapter 22 beginning in verse number 1. So that it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and he said to, said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Go to that land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and he saddled his donkey and he took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and he arose and he went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand. And a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and he said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. 
Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and an altar there. And he placed the wood in order and he bound Isaac, his son, and he laid him upon that altar, upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and he said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him for now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and he looked and there behind him was a ram that was caught in a thicket by its, by its horns. So Abraham went and he took the ram and he offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, or Jehovah Jireh, God is a provider. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven. And he said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and you have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven, as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. And your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Amen. We're going to stop there this morning. And I just want to speak for a little while here this morning on the fact that God wants your all. God wants your all. See, Isaac was a gift from God. I believe that without God, there would be no Isaac. Abraham and Sarah at this point in their life, Abraham uh, nearing 100 years old and Sarah 90 years old and well into their retirement years. Yes, they may have lived a bit longer at that period of time, but they were still well past childbearing years and, and well past all of that. And, and yet they had this promise from God that you were going to have a son. Now Abraham, he made that possible. He, he had a son with uh, with Hagar, Sarah's servant. But God said, no, 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 no. That's not the son that I'm talking about. I'm telling you that I, you are going to have a son. You and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. And that will be the promised child. And so imagine the excitement. Imagine Abraham in the moment when God speaks to him and he says, now is the time you finally arrived to where you are going to have this child that I've been promising you for so long and then they get pregnant Sarah she laughs she thinks this is funny she thinks there is no way that I can do this at this age but yet God gave her a son and now the son that God had promised uh, to Abraham, he's growing up and, and I, I can just imagine every day that Abraham comes and he wakes up and, and, he, and he goes throughout his day and he sees Isaac out in the fields, tending to the fields. And I can just imagine him, you know, the smile on his face. Look at my child. Look at the one that God promised me. Look at the one that, that God, you know, he, he, he holds true to his promises. God, he does not fail. And look at this child. I'm so thankful that God came through. And then one day, God spoke to Abraham again. I, I don't believe it was 
uh, it was every day that, that they had these kind of conversations. But on this day was one of those special days when God begins to speak to Abraham again. And a lot of times when God would speak to Abraham, it's good news. It's blessings that he's going to remind him of. Or it's, it's the promises that he is going to remind him about. And on this day, I can just imagine him. All right, what God? What do you have to say to me today? And God, his... Uh, his request of Abraham on this day is, Abraham, I want you to take your son Isaac. And I want you to go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. How would you respond to that? Any of us, we know that God does, does not bless human sacrifice, so... We can breathe easier knowing that God's not going to ask us to sacrifice our children. This is the only time we ever see a request, anything like this. But what if you spent your life savings on a house? Let me just put it this way. You spent your life savings on a house and then God says, I want you to go sell your house and give it all away. And when it's something that, that the promises, that these things that... That God has promised you and maybe, uh, maybe it's, it's your career. Maybe it's a business that you have built and, and, and God would, uh, ask of you. And then, you know, this is a promise that God, he, he held true to, but, but now God says, I want you to give it up, give it away. And that is not quite as heart wrenching as what Abraham was being asked. But maybe you could feel a little bit of the, of the, the twinge, a little bit of the, the hurt that would be involved in something of this nature that God would say, I want you, this thing that you have, have held on to, this thing that you have, have wanted so badly and now you have it and now it's time for you to release it back to me. See, we get into this story and we get this question from God. Uh, of him asking Abraham to to give up Isaac and and the response is amazing to me the response that we see from Abraham in Genesis chapter 22 verse 3 cuz this this scripture it could have begun several ways after God said Abraham I want you to give your son your only son Isaac to me as a burnt offering and then we get to Genesis 22 verse 3 where Abraham is responding to that request. And I can just imagine this scripture beginning like this. That Abraham fought with God. Or Abraham questioned God. Maybe Abraham ignored God. I, I, I wouldn't even blame him if Abraham walked away from God. At such a request like that, this scripture could have began any one of those ways. And, and I would not fault Abraham for that because, because what, what is God asking here? You're asking me to give up my child. And, and this, this could have easily began with Abraham walked away from God, but instead it begins. So Abraham rose up early in the morning and he saddled his donkey. And he took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering. And he rose and he went to the place that God had told him. Abraham obeyed God. 
See, Abraham, he understood that he understood what genuine faith really is. He demonstrated his faith in God by being obedient to what God was asking of him. And I believe that when we have faith in God, we will obey the commands of God. Now, when God begins to speak to us, that real faith is displayed in the way that we respond to God. And, and instead of getting angry at God for asking something of us, or instead of, of questioning God about everything, perhaps a genuine faith may look a little bit like what Abraham did, where when God says something that doesn't make sense, he said, yes, God, I'll get up early in the morning and I'll go and do what you've asked of me. Now, I don't believe he probably got much sleep the night before he was probably he was probably tossing and turning all night long how can I do this how can I do this but early in the morning he says God I trust you God I trust you I'll get up and I'll go I'll take my son see I don't think that he understood God's command. I don't believe that. I don't believe that Abraham understood the, how this was all going to end, but he still trusted God. Abraham, he trusted God. He, he didn't know, he didn't think this probably made sense for him to kill the promised son that would soon be this branch of a family tree that God had promised him would reach into the millions and, and number along with the stars and the, the sands of the sea. But God didn't call Abraham to understand him. God simply called called Abraham to trust him. See, this passage, it's part of the nature of God that we rarely understand. We, we struggle to understand when our God allows us to walk through tragedy. We struggle when God allows us to walk through hardships. We, we struggle and we, we, we sometimes question God, why, why do you seem to do nothing about this at times? Uh, you know, couldn't you have stopped the accident from happening? God, couldn't you have kept the company afloat? God, couldn't you have healed the disease or restored the family? Or, or couldn't you have just paid the bank and paid my bills for me? And, and sometimes God does it, but sometimes he allows us to walk through the tragedy. And he allows us to, to go through some things that we don't understand. See, the fact is, God, he could have done it all by sunset. God could he could have uh, he could have uh, provided for you in any one of those circumstances and he could wave his hand and and empty every hospital god he could go and he could heal everybody he could make every funeral home turn into a trampoline park if he wanted to but just because he can do it doesn't mean that he will do it all the time. And there are many times where we walk through life and we, we come into a, a moment where we don't understand why God is allowing us to go through the things that we're going through. And we, even though we don't understand, God is simply calling us to trust. He said, I'm giving you an opportunity right now to trust. If I provided for you all the time, there would be no reason for you to trust. But now I'm giving you an opportunity to trust me. Trust that I am God. Trust that I have your best interest. Trust that I love you. My name is love. I am a God of love. Come on, God is here. He is still in control. God, I trust you. I may not understand it, but I trust you. I trust you. See, this Isaac... 
Isaac as well. Imagine him. He wasn't just a, a, a toddler. He was, uh, we don't know his exact age, but he was around 12 years old, somewhere, uh, somewhere right around that age. And it was one thing for Abraham to trust God, but what about Isaac? All he knew, all he knew was that he, dad, and a handful of, of their servants were going on a road trip to worship God. When they arrived at the mountain, God spoke to Abraham like this GPS voice, and he says, all right, you've made it. Stop here. Uh, you can, you and, and your son are going to go a little bit farther, keep the servants back. And as soon as they do that, uh, Isaac, he, he begins looking around, and he says, Dad, we're getting close to the sacrifice. We're getting close to the time. I see the wood. I'm carrying the wood. You've got the fire. Where's the animal we're going to sacrifice? Where is it? Now, Abraham's response, what Abraham told the servants that he left behind was, the lad and I are going to go yonder and worship, and we will return. The lad and I are going to go yonder to worship, and we will come back to you. This is the faith that Abraham had. Isaac, he heard that. And he, he, he knows what his dad had said to him. But as they climbed up this mountain, he's looking around and he's saying, God, where, or dad, where is the, uh, where is the, the, the sacrifice at? Where is the animal? See, this is, this is such an opportunity for faith building. And I don't know the exact conversation that, that Abraham had with his son, but I can imagine it going something like, uh, like this, that he says, uh, Isaac, I don't know where the animal's at, but God's going to provide something. You're a promise. I've told you this from your birth. When you, I was holding you in your in my arms when you were just a little baby. I would sing songs to you. I would tell you of how you were the promised one that God has sent me. I, I've told you every day that you uh, that you've lived that you're going to be uh, the, the next step in this great nation that God is going to build. You're the promised one, and I don't know how God is going to do it, but let's trust God. Let's trust Him. I believe that He was telling Isaac, "Come on, this is an opportunity for us." to trust God I don't know how this is going to end up we know one thing he tells him it says in Genesis that that it says that uh, he said God will provide himself a lamb now I don't know if he knew exactly how prophetic that was I don't know if he actually understood what he was saying when he said that to Isaac because that's exactly what God would do. God would provide himself a lamb for for them to sacrifice up there on the mountain. But not just then, but 2,000 or or thousands of years later, God would provide himself a lamb. God would provide himself as a lamb to sacrifice for every single one of us. And what a prophecy that Abraham spoke that day to his son when he said, God will provide. I don't understand it. I don't know how it's going to happen, but God will provide. God will provide. Here's the other thing that I believe that he was saying to him and that uh, we don't see it in, in the account in Genesis, but we see it in Hebrews chapter 11 when it's speaking about Abraham. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19, it tells us that by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, He offered up Isaac, 
And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, And Isaac, your seed shall be called. Concluding, look at this, verse 19, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. God would be able to raise up his son even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. I believe that in this moment that he, he this is this is why I come to the conclusion Abraham didn't know how this is going to play out. Maybe God provides a lamb, maybe God has me go through with this, but whatever the case is, me and the lad are going to return to you together. We're going to go worship and we are going to return. And so if God, you ask me to go through with this, then there's got to be a way that he is going to be raised from the dead. See, Abraham had faith that God was going to come through somehow. He had faith that God was going to come through. Abraham was walking in obedience. He didn't know exactly what God's plans were, but he knew that God had given him a word. He knew that God had given him a promise. He knew that God spoke to him a long time ago about this son that he was being asked to offer up. And and he knew that if God gave me that promise, then God will not break his promises. Well, I want you to know that today. God will not break his promises to you. God will not break his promises. God, he will keep Every word that he says, he will keep everything that he says to you. And so, and so you can hold on to the words of God when he speaks something in your spirit. Come on, keep believing. And it may have been a long time ago. It may have been, may have been a decade or so ago, but God's promises will come true. Keep holding to the promises. Keep praying for the promises. Keep walking in obedience. Keep walking in faith. Mon Abraham, he didn't understand how this is going to happen, but he said, God, I'm going to give my all. God, if this is what you ask of me, God, I will give you everything, believing that you will come through. See, I believe that as strong as Abraham was, Isaac was just as strong. He could have fought off his father. He could have fought off. I mean, his dad was 100 years old at this time. Isaac could have run down that mountain screaming for those servants to save him. He he could have gone, but he trusted his dad's ability to hear from God. He wasn't the one who heard from God. But he trusted that his dad had heard from God. And Isaac, he obeyed Abraham and, and, and he, he didn't, he, he laid himself upon that altar. He allowed himself to be bound to that altar and he laid there trusting God. If it took great faith for Abraham to offer up Isaac, come on, think of how much faith this is for Isaac at this point. We can trust God. Here's the thing. We can trust God. We can trust God. Now, God does not require us to do anything that would destroy his promise. I want, you to, I want to tell you that. God's not going to require you to do anything that's going to destroy the promises of God. 
When Isaac was laying there on that altar bound with those ropes, his, his dad standing over him and, and he lifted up his eyes to heaven, Abraham lifting his eyes to heaven and then taking that knife come on above his head. This is not a charade. He's not just, he's not just doing this, uh, to, as, as an act uh, to God to, to say, Lord, look, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. No, he was about to do it when God stepped in in that moment. He says, okay, Abraham, I see that you will follow me to the very end. You'll follow me to the very end. You will give me everything, every bit of faith that you have. And this is what God would ask of us today. God wants our all. He wants our all. Everything that we have to give, God is asking, give it. Would you Give me everything. Would you, would you lay aside one of the things that you're pursuing instead of me? And would you pursue me only? God is asking us to follow him fully. God is asking us to pursue him with all faith, with all, uh, come on, with a passion and a zeal. God is asking us to follow him. And, and he saw Abraham in that moment going to the very end to where he would give his all. And then he steps in and he says, Abraham, don't kill your son. Stop the knife right there. I have a, I have a lamb for you. I have a ram that's caught in the thicket. Go and sacrifice the lamb. I don't know if Isaac heard the voice of the angel, but thankfully Abraham did. Although Abraham didn't know how God was going to work it out, he knew that God wouldn't ask him to do anything that would destroy God's promise. God, if you Need to raise my son from the dead, Lord, then you're gonna do it. Isaac was undoubtedly the promised seed through which God's descendants are gonna be born. There was no way that God would really require Isaac's life for good and also keep his word at the same time. God, he may ask you things that you, that don't make sense, but just know his word will still come to pass. See, faith is not believing that God will always do what we want. We get this, we get this, uh, theology sometimes in our mind that, that what's, what we think is, is the right thing. What we think is, is the, the, the one, you know, the one way for things to work out the way that God promised that they would work out is the only way that they can work out. We get this idea that, that we, we, we know, uh, how to get from point A to point B. We know how to get from, uh, from where we're at to the promises of God. And God says, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts aren't my thoughts. We've got a path that we're going to go down and I'm going to teach you to trust me as we get to the point where I'll bring about the promises of God. I'll bring about my promises to you in a way in which you see that it's only by my hand. It's only by my grace. It's only by the fact that you would walk with me and trust me that you can truly see me come through in the very end. So I believe that when we do this, we, tr- we learn to trust 
God, when we give him our all and we say, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. I will walk by faith, not by sight. I'm not going to walk by my own uh, intuition of of thinking that I know how to get from here to where you're calling me to be. But Lord, I'm just going to trust you in every day. Come on, this is what it takes. It takes takes a daily prayer life. It takes trusting God and walking in the spirit. If you aren't doing that, if you, if we aren't praying and, and having a, a relationship with God, a daily relationship with God, then we start walking down a path that we think that we need to take in order to get from here to where God has called us to be. And a lot of times God is saying, uh, when, when we begin this, this, talk, this conversation with God, this, we begin our day with prayer, God's saying, all right, uh, today, today we are going, we're going to, uh, uh, to, to go and, and, and instead of driving your normal way to, to work, you're gonna, you're gonna take this path down here and you're gonna go, go down this road and you're gonna go down this road and all of a sudden you see, uh, on this drive that, that there's somebody here that needs some help and God says, all right, this is the person that I want you to help today. Well, God, I don't know, I didn't have time for that. No, I, I, you, I took you down this path for a reason. Okay? And God, in, the, in, a, in a daily prayer life, when we begin this conversation with God, this, this, these things begin to happen where God will lead you and He will guide you and we begin to trust Him and we begin to see, Lord, you're you're, you're shaping me and molding me in ways that I would not be molded if I just tried to get from point A to point B. But what God is trying to do is he's saying, I want you to give me everything. Trust me fully. Trust me completely. In this, in this moment of, of trust, in this moment of, of Abraham being obedient to what God would ask of him, we see that the Lord is, is revealed in a new way, new form, new fashion for Abraham. On that mountain, Abraham and Isaac were about to watch a miracle in the making. And Abraham's blood pressure, it, it was beginning to lower. I can imagine as, as that angel stopped him and he's, he's lowering that knife. And Isaac is still there in one piece on that altar. Suddenly, Abraham sees that ram that was caught in the thicket by its horns. And here they are. They traveled several, several days from home. They, they trekked up that mountain. And Abraham had built this altar all this time. I can imagine his heart just beating. Abraham wasn't leaving without offering something to God. So he went over to that ram. He sacrificed that lamb upon an altar. And as he's doing this, God calls out to him once again. He says, I want to show you who I am. I am Jehovah Jireh. I am the Lord who provides. I am the one, the El Shaddai, the Almighty God. That's the one who you've known me as. But I am your provider. I am your provider, Jehovah Jireh, the, the provider of all things. Come on. We, we can get everything that you need. You can get everything that you need by turning to God and trusting Him. He is your provider for anything that you need. Whatever stress, whatever uh, thing that you're going through, whatever problem it is that you're facing, turn to God. Get on your knees and sacrifice to God. And when we 
sacrifice to God. We see God is my provider. God, he can come and he can step in and he can provide whatever it is that I need in this moment. God, it may be that bill that needs paid and I don't know how it's going to get paid. Come on, when we learn to trust him, come on, God, sometimes he comes in and he steps in in the moment and you check your bank account and you say, I don't know how that got paid, but it did get paid because God is a provider. I don't know how the doctor report came in in this form, in this fashion, but I know that God is a provider. Come on, let's trust God. Let's learn to to walk and to give him our all. As we do so, we begin to see God revealed in brand new ways where we see, God, I can trust you. This is why I walk by faith. This is why I get up early in the morning. And I say, yes, God. God, when you say something that I don't understand, this is why I get up early and I go and I do it. Because you are a provider. And God spoke to Abraham once more and he continued to compound the promises and to bless Abraham for his faith. And then without fanfare, Abraham and Isaac, they walked back down the mountain. They met up with their servants and they headed toward home. The servants had no idea what happened up there on the mountain. They didn't see it firsthand, but Abraham and Isaac, they both had a life-altering experience with God where they saw him in this beautiful, brand-new way. And I, uh, here's, here's what I know is that in those times when God puts our faith in the crucible, when God begins to press us, we see God in these brand-new ways that only we would see when we give him everything that we have to give. None of us really wants to go through those times. None of us really want to go through these, these times of hurt or these times of, of pain. None of us really want to go through the crucible, but, but we truly get to see God in all of His glory when we do that. When He takes us through the valley of the shadow of death. When He takes us through the things that, that are hard. But God, here's the thing, you can always trust Him. and You can always know that God will provide. So I don't know for you today, perhaps God has made you a promise. Perhaps at an altar you have built, God promised to save someone in your family. You haven't seen it happen yet. But just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean that it won't happen. Abraham can testify to that. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. Just because the promise hasn't come yet doesn't mean that God's promises will not come true. On their promises, their prophecies, there are things that they take, they take decades and years to come to pass. There are things that have been spoken uh, out of people's mouth as promises from God. And, 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 and in their lifetime, they never saw them come to pass. But yet God's promises will not fail. And they will come to pass in some moment. They will. They will come true. And you can believe that God's promises, they will stand. 
Or perhaps God promised to use you in some area of ministry and you're standing here and you're saying, God, I haven't seen that area of ministry open up yet. Here's the thing. Keep being faithful to God. Keep being faithful where you're at. Keep being faithful in the moment where you're standing here. Keep serving God. Keep serving the others that are around you. Don't grow impatient and take matters into your own hands. If you could hear him, Abraham would say, come on, this, this is, this is the truth right here. He grew up impatient. He tried to make his own way with his own son. Uh, from his uh, wife's handmaiden and this caused all kinds of troubles so don't take things into your own hand just trust God trust God he is a faithful God if we can walk through the valley if we can warm so if we can walk through this uh this place of faith that that Abraham was walking down we would see this painting of Abraham with a knife in his hand and relief on his face and under that painting we would see Paul's inscription there where he writes in Romans chapter 4 verse 20 that he speaking of Abraham he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but he was strengthened in faith giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform what a promise today Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief he was strengthened in his faith He gave glory to God. How do you give glory to God? God gets glory when we walk in faith and we do things that we don't understand. We do it because God asked us. We're obedient to Him. And when we do that, we see that God comes through and He gets the glory. That's how we give glory to God. We're obedient. Glory is not me clapping my hands. Glory is not me just speaking with my mouth. That's not giving glory to God. Glory is walking in obedience and then seeing that God would come through on his promise. And then when God comes through on his promise, the glory is the testament or the testimony of what God has done for us. That's where the glory comes in for God. So when we walk in faith, God gets glory. When we walk in obedience, God gets glory. Because then God is able to come through on his promise. But we, he's asking us, I want you to give your all. I want you to give everything that you have to give. You may not understand it. You may not, uh, you may not know why I'm asking you to do this, but just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. And when you trust him, God says, I will come through. Abraham, he didn't know how God was going to keep his word, but he knew that God would keep his word. And God did. Amen. God did. I want us today, as we're going to bring this to a close here right now, I want us to pray. You can stay seated where you're at, or if you want to, you can, you can stand as the music begins to play. And I just want us to take a moment here right now. And I want us to hear from God and to know, Lord, how, uh, how can I draw closer to you? Lord, how can I walk in faith? God, what are you asking me to give today? God, how can I give my all? God, is there, are there things that, that you've been asking me to do that I've been ignoring because it doesn't make sense? 
want to just take a moment here today. There's, there's things perhaps that, that in, in your prayer time or in your walk with God that, that God has he's compelled you to do it. But you say, Lord, it doesn't make sense to do it. And so you've been standing at a standstill. Or you backtracked and you said, Lord, let me figure it out my way. God's asking you, would you walk in faith and walk in obedience? Give me your all today. I have promises that I want to fulfill in your life, but I need you to walk in obedience. When the promises of God many times are contingent upon our faith and our acts of obedience. To walk the way that he walked, the promises of God, many times they're contingent upon us staying faithful and true. The promises of God are many times contingent upon the fact that we would give him our all. God, today I want to give you my all. God, I will trust you. I will trust you today. When you can lift up a hand, pray right now. Lord, help me to trust. Life is not mine.